but the thing is like when I see, when I see a guy coming from a distance, I'm like, does he have a mask on it or is it a neck beard? <laughs> and I have to, and I am like, I have to stare at him till I get closer and I have a beard or, or, or mask. So you can tell maybe yeah. it's a combo. No, it's, it's one or the other. It's always one or the other. Welcome to Hey You Know It. My name is Jaquetta Sotmar, and I'm here with my co-host, Katie Kazmir. Hey You Know It is a podcast that tells you how it is or how it should be. You can listen to Hey You Know It on iTunes, a new episode every Monday. And here they are, Jaquetta and Katie. You know, pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things happening here. Hello, <laughs> listeners. You're- yes, welcome back. Yay. Yes, so this is another week's episode of hey you know it with yeah i also want to give a shout out we just got a bump in traffic uh a couple of weeks ago Uh so welcome to people who just started and know that all of our they may not be on itunes but if you go to our website hey you know it.com all of the episodes there all 473 back episodes are available for free if you want to like do a serious binge yeah, I think you could watch, you could listen to us I, for a week. Straight. I think it was without stopping, right? And it, it, <laughs> and now you can, yeah. yeah. And so yes, we've been around for gosh, we're approaching ten years. Yeah. Ten years this August. Ten years. Yep. Yeah. So um, if you want to relive the past decade, yeah. How strange is that? You can with us because we've reported on everything that was going on, and you know maybe it would be a fun trip down memory lane for. Yeah. Some of you. Not for me, though. I'm scared now to think about that. Going Hearing myself 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, I re- yeah, I know, right? Like, I remember some of this <laughs> stuff that we said. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> yeah, some of the stuff I'm like, oh, that's not, that didn't age well. <laughs> no. That didn't age well at all. <laughs> Please do not send me any emails about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was in 2012. Yeah, so go back you know. and enjoy, download. I mean, yeah, we're all over the place. We're on Stitcher. Uh, iTunes, Apple Music, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, our anywhere own, hey, you know, podcasts are ripped off and given away for free. We are there. Yeah, that's right. we're ripped off all the time. Yes, I was surprised to see that we're on some random sites in the UK. I'm like, really? Yeah, we're all over the place. And um, actually, one of our our guests was like, "Oh, here's me on a Hey You Know It episode," and takes it from from a ripoff site. I'm like, why don't oh, you wow. take it from our our Hey yeah. You Know It site? Variety. I, I would like to think that on the ripoff site, they have like a different introduction or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like pirate hiking. All right. So what do you have? Okay. All right. So let's start out with some hygiene. Hygiene news. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Hygiene news. Okay. So I, I really, this is something if you really, people are... <sighs> are so resistant to doing anything to protect themselves from the coronavirus. Actually, that's a massive generalization. A lot of people, a lot are, of trying people to, are trying to protect themselves. A lot of people are, but I see a lot of people who are angry and upset about it. And, and one thing I saw today that was like, we're, we're not going to wear masks in Texas. This isn't a communist country. I don't know how they, what the correlation is between communism and protecting yourself and people around you from a, an airborne virus. Like where the intersection of that is. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a little shocking. Yeah, it is shocking. Um, well, here's some news. Um, 
Doctors have shown that the coronavirus can live and replicate in the digestive system, and evidence of the virus has been found in human waste. Okay. Yes. So when you in go, your toilet. it's in your toilet. So if you if somebody has it and they're asymptomatic or have a mild case, even, um, you really should put the lid down before you flush. You should be doing that anyway. By the way, you should be. And you know, a lot of people don't know how far. Uh, things can be thrown from the flush. Yes. So some studies, there has been um, a, a team in China from one of the universities there. They use computer modeling to show how the water from a flush toilet could spray up into the air as high as three feet. I thought it was six feet. I thought but, it was, I w- I've been told six feet, but yeah. you know. So they said one foresees the velocity would be even higher when the toilet is used frequently, such as with a family, you know, during busy times or public toilets. Um, in densely populated areas and some toilets are more powerful than others. So, yeah, we have an industrial toilet here. As I used to say to people could suck a tampon out of you. Oh, if you were sitting on it and flushed (laughs) and I'm sure that I always put the lid down and I'm sure it spews more than the, the three feet. Right. So, so it, and this is something that we knew, but now we know that the coronavirus can be transmitted through fecal matter. So we really should be paying more consideration to the the toilet. So everyone was concerned with toilet paper and hoarding toilet paper. Guess what? Mm -hmm. You need to be like sanitizing your toilet, um, spraying the air with disinfectant. Are doing that anyway, especially if you're using a toilet in a place where it's heavily used. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But this, this aerosol that contains the virus is it's unknown how long, how far it can travel. Um, so whenever possible, everybody just put the toilet seat down. When you flush, clean the toilet seat, clean any other contact areas frequently, wash your hands after using the toilet. You can put, you can put an insert inside of the bowl. I'm kind of a a freak about toilet hygiene. Yeah. So I either put like a little insert that hangs on the side of the bowl and freshens it and sanitizes it every time. Or you can have, there's like a gel that you can stick onto the side of it. And every single time you flush, it also releases, you know, bleach and other um, antiseptic chemicals. Yeah. So that's my public service announcement to everybody flush carefully yeah put the top down yeah please <laughs> yeah it, it's shocking to me that it's it's so easy uh to protect yourself and people are really just not not trying to do it i don't know why I, I don't understand that connection between it's a free country i don't have to wear a mask and like i, I don't know it's the being inconvenienced you can't shout fire in a crowded theater you know, you can't, there's a lot of things you can't do for, for safety reasons. And this is just, I don't know. I put it kind of in the same category of people who are like, I, why can't I just keep saying Negro? <laughs> why do I have to say African-American it has so many syllables in it? It's like, well, it's not that much harder for you to do. And, you know, it's making people uncomfortable. But why is everybody so uncomfortable? Why yes. is everyone so sensitive? Everyone needs to toughen up. Everyone Except needs for to, me. Yeah. Except for me, because I don't need to wear a mask. Yeah. I'm just going to breathe up my own nose. I'm going to create some kind of self-perpetuating breathing bubble. Yeah. When I when I see people without masks on, I just I cross the street or I try to avoid them in some way. Yeah. Um. But up here in my neighborhood, people have been pretty good. I also live in like what is known as God's waiting room. 
Yeah. So people up here are already, you know. Well, what do you think about the glove situation? I can't. I haven't been wearing gloves. I I, we tried. Greg and I did some some reading on it uh, to try to find any scientific evidence that we should be wearing gloves, and we haven't been able to find any. I'm not saying it's not out there, but you know, just wash your hands, and we've been told not to touch our face. Yeah. Right. So that's pretty much it's not going to get in through my, you know, when I'm scratching my knee. Right. Right. I mean, I guess if you're (laughs) constantly if you're working in an environment where you're touching a lot of things. Sure. It makes sense. So you don't get it in any cuts or small lesions on your hands. Um, But for the rest of us that are really isolating ourselves, I don't think that it's. Again, if you have small cuts and lesions on your hand and you're touching a lot of stuff, gloves anyway. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like whether whether you you know whether you're worried about COVID or not, like <laughs> infection. Right. I don't know. So what I have you know? something. Yeah, just I, I, we have gloves here, you know, because you never know when you might need gloves. And mostly, I've used it for artistic things. Yeah. I've been painting something, or I'm handling a chemical that I'm using in my home, or something like that. Um, or, you know, I guess in the off chance if someone was at my house and cut themselves badly, yeah. I would put on gloves first before I got, you know, went to the first aid kit because I don't want to contaminate their cut with my hands. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's disheartening because you, I see gloves around on the ground and masks. And I'm like, really? Y- you were halfway there. Mm-hmm. So you thought about protecting yourself, but then you were like, Mother Nature, screw her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm throwing this. I'm throwing this latex glove right on the ground. I don't care. I don't need this anymore. Fling. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You know. So all right. So I. This is some barnyard news. Barnyard news is where we report on animals that are in the barnyard and some that are out of the barnyard. Basically, animals. Yeah. Um. And and we we'd like to report on their their doings. Yeah. This is my favorite animal. Uh, the shark. Okay. Um and. One of the most fascinating sharks to me is has always been the whale shark. Whale shark. They are the okay. largest sharks. You can see them off the coast of Mexico certain times of the year. They are gigantic. They have spots on them. They are beautiful. You can swim with them. Oh. They're not they're not man eating, but they're oh. they're gigantic like the size of a They're like, herbivores. A yeah. Okay. Um so it turns out that these sharks have tiny teeth all over their eyeballs. What? They're called dermal dermal denticles. And D- they help protect the eyeballs from damage. Derm- denticles. Dermal denticles. Dermal denticles. Yeah. So their dermal denticles cover shark skin. If you've ever touched shark skin, uh, you'll feel a kind of a prickling sensation. Um, they're tiny V-shaped scales that are like teeth, little tiny teeth. And the shark's skin is covered in this, and it decreases drag and turbulence and helps them swim quieter and faster. Oh, wow. Like Michael Phelps' suit that he was wearing at one point, it was kind of based on this idea. No kidding. All right. Resistance. So they found So he didn't have to shave his body anymore. That's what he was all about. Um, So they published in the journal PLOS1, some researchers from, in, from Okinawa, Japan, found that there are also dermal denticles on the eyes yeah. of the whale sharks that protect their eyeballs. Well, I mean, if they're there for a good reason, but that's just kind of 
creepy. What it's is this weird. thing that gives new meaning to the eye tooth, right? Right. <laughs> My <laughs> eye tooth, too. What is an eye tooth? I don't know. I was thinking about it. I'm like, I don't really know what it is because we don't use it often in casual conversation. No, it never comes up. Um, so some sharks have a third eyelid that covers their eyes when they're in a feeding frenzy. Um, yeah, yeah. Why don't they just have that a nice transparent eyelid? Why do they have to go with the teeth? It's, uh, we don't know. Other species have retractable eyeballs, which I didn't know. Yeah. Well, I, I would like that. There's some things I just don't want to see. <laughs> retract, retract. <laughs> yes. Just pull it in. So whale sharks have eyes that protect, um, to stop from injury from things getting in the eyes. They don't have eyelids. So, and the only known protection mechanism is that the species can rotate the entire eyeball back into the eye socket. How cool is that? I don't know. That is pretty Um, cool. I think it's pretty. So it's basically, they have armored eyes. So they're normal. Uh, It's sorry, not normal. It's a novel form of eye protection among vertebrates. So the identical, as it's called, differs in morphology from that of the dermal denticle distributed over the rest of the body. Right? Okay. So they have, they're now calling this an identical. I like dermal denticles as a name. That's your new band name. That's my new band, dermal denticles. Yeah. Um, so now they are going to be looking to see if they can find these things in other species, like sh- other kinds of sharks, rays, and skates, things that are related to the whale shark. Okay. Um, but maybe the identicals are unique to the whale shark hmm. for extra protection. That would and be what, interesting to see if there's any other species found with identicals. Yeah. And it says, um, it was thought that whale sharks depend very little on their eyesight compared to other senses, but this suggests that their eyes are extremely important because they have developed a mechanism to protect them. So they want to look into other aspects of the whale shark's vision, including the color range, visual fields, and sensitivity. Personally, I am fascinated by the, uh, the prospect of being able to look through another animal's eyes and see the world that they, the way they see it. Yeah. So we've seen this in bees and insects. We've seen it with dogs. But I would love to see what the world looks like to a shark. It probably just looks like snacks. Probably. <laughs> like just That's what I'm thinking. Lay's potato chips to all around. Twizzlers, you know. You're listening to Hey You Know It with Jaquetta Santmari and Katie Casmir. We're telling you how it is and how it should be. I have advice on advice. All right. Advice on advice is a segment where we find advice on the internet that stinks. And it's unqualified. And we improve upon it by giving our advice on the advice, hence advice on advice. So who's it from? It's from uh, Dear Prudence. Awesome. Okay. Okay. So here it is. One of my coworkers, now this is, this is contemporary here. This is, okay. has to do with what's going on is right now. Is it modern or contemporary? It is contemporary. Okay. Contemporary. One of my coworkers, quote unquote, Kristen, has recently given birth <laughs> Not her real name. Yeah. She frequently (laughs) breastfeeds on Zoom calls. She says it's the best way to keep the baby quiet, but due to camera angles and movement, you can sometimes see her breast or part of it as the baby feeds. Okay. One of our coworkers is really creepy about it behind Kristen's back. On Zoom? Yeah. In a separate chat about a different project Kristen isn't involved in, he told us he had taken screenshots. Although he backed down and said he was just kidding when I challenged him, he made jokes about her sexual attractiveness and how lucky the baby is. 
I told him, I told him he was disgusting and I didn't want to hear any more, which he has gone along with. Although he said I had no sense of humor, but other people say he's still saying things to them. How do I deal with this? I can't imagine telling Kristen, who's very sweet and prim about it. And I don't want her to feel awkward or that she can't feed the baby. Would it be okay just to pass on the screenshots I took of him being gross in the chat, even though it was in a semi-private conversation to our supervisor? Although I told him to, st- uh, I told him to stop in there, and he did. So I don't know if his supervisor would do anything. Other people have said it isn't my business, so I should just let it go. But it just doesn't feel right. Mm, I, I mean, first of all, what a lucky baby! What kind of comment it's a is that? Weird- that's such a, such a creepy... That's not how that relationship works. Yeah. Sir. Um, second of all, like this just sounds like pretty open and shut sexual harassment that yeah. just happens to be on Zoom. Yeah. It's like the same right? thing. It's the same thing that has been going on forever. I mean, taking pictures of people without their knowledge, that's got to be some kind of um, breach. Yeah. Right? Of policy. Um maybe this company and maybe other companies are behind the eight ball on this. They need to kind of set some standards for what the behavior is on zoom. Yeah. What's acceptable. What's not acceptable. I take for granted that people are not recording or taking screenshots of me when I'm doing. Zoom oh, calls. Yeah. Isn't that something I found out, you know, some people are doing this. They're like, here's screenshots from our meeting. I'm like, what? You know, oh, screenshots of what? Like of visuals. It's like someone showing a PowerPoint. Sure. But of who's there without their consent. That to me is a little bit creepy. And I just want to be clear. I'm hearing this from other people. I'm not yeah. Saying I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. surprised, you know, anyway. I mean, I haven't had anything happen to me like this because most of my, you know, my calls are very professional or I'm just, you know, with my friends. But I guess it's something to consider. Yeah. And I guess it's something that when you're on a Zoom call, you should think that, not only can everybody on the call see and hear you, but anybody has the potential to see and hear you. Okay. So you need to be concerned, you know, wary about what you're doing, what you're showing. And what's in the background, what's going on. Mm-hmm. People can always be screenshotting you without you knowing it. Yeah. That's uh, creepy. So what should, what, what should the woman do? She, she mentioned something to the supervisor. She, um, did, she should. She's wondering if she should. Yeah, she should. Yeah. And if that doesn't do anything, I think this is the issue for HR. Yeah. Welcome to the new world of HR. <laughs> yeah, HR. <laughs> right. Well. You know, <laughs> you have to you have to develop some kind of standards and, and procedures and rules around telecommuting the same way that you would have to do so in an office. Right, 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 right. That's creepy. Yeah. Okay, so but what a lucky baby! It's I mean, such a gross comment. It's nasty. And how like, what is what is the person doing? Like they're on, on this Zoom call, and they're sitting there looking for things to screenshot. Like, oh, I gotta get. I well, gotta if that. this if this person is screenshotted, it we can take a guess what he's doing. Yeah, which is pretty gross yeah. <laughs> in and of itself on a Zoom call. Why can't this guy just? observe it and leave it at that why say anything like if you're enjoying watching someone breastfeed that much how about shutting up about it yeah because it's about to be over now yeah you're gonna have to go back to you know wherever you were seeing that before yeah so the advice is okay okay i think your coworker has made it your business you didn't ask for this information he volunteered it cheerfully during a conversation about a work project True, true. Moreover, he's only stopped 
talking about it to you and is still making lewd and unprofessional comments about Kristen's body to the rest of her colleagues, which makes it clear he's interested in, he's, he's uninterested in actually stopping. His claim that he was just kidding about taking screenshots doesn't hold water. And what would have the joke had been? Wouldn't it be funny if I took a picture of our coworker while she was breastfeeding her infant? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, why is that funny? Yeah. It seems fairly clear. He only tried to pass it off as a joke. Once you objected to it, if your coworker was making offensive sexual comments about Kristen in a chat about a different project, Kristen wasn't involved in, then that conversation was not semi-private. It was a work conversation with his coworkers about work. Kristen is trying to keep a newborn baby quiet and happy while working from home, which is incredibly difficult. And your coworker has used that as a justification to gossip and objectify her, possibly even take pictures of her. This is an issue not just for your supervisor to address, but for HR to take on as well. So ding, 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 Jaquetta, right on the nose. HR. Woo. <laughs> Get on it, Keisha and HR, you're on it. Yes. This is, uh, you've trained all your life. Yeah. Get yeah. ready. Here it is. <laughs> Finally. <clears throat> It's so bizarre. I mean, it's, look, I don't have a kid. I've never had to deal with breastfeeding. I know it's like a minefield for, for women. Um, you know, some people feel like you should be doing it in public. It's natural. Some people are saying, don't do it, whatever. I, you know, I was born in the seventies. So <laughs> when we were growing up, you never saw it. Right. If, if you did see it, it was draped. Yeah. There was always a, like a cloth. Over. Yeah, there was a cloth uh, or that we were just women sitting around. Yeah. And one of our friends or colleagues was like, I need to pump or I need to breastfeed. Right. Uh, and I think one of the, the reasons why I've always kind of objected to trying to make it something that is public is because of people like that guy. Yeah. I mean, that's I, I don't want to subject. I, I don't want women to be subjected to that kind of lewdness. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I want people to feel comfortable too. So I guess it's really up to, it's up to you, but like, that's kind of a warning, right? Like this guy, this is someone that you work with that, you know, you're assuming that it's what you're doing is okay. And it is, but look how it's being, being taken. Yeah. You know, like you don't, you're not breastfeeding on zoom thinking someone's going to take a picture of it. Right. And you're, especially when you're in your own home and you're, you're thinking that you're, 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 you're protected to an extent. You know, mm-hmm. it's like when you walk out of your, your home, you're a little more vulnerable and you're a little more on your guard and the rest of the, because the world is out there, but the world is now in your home. Yeah. And, and that's, maybe that's, maybe the, uh, the woman is, yeah, not thinking about it in that way, that she's now in the office and she's going to have to deal with whatever BS she'd have to deal with in the office if she were breastfeeding, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Interesting. All right. What do you have? Uh, so I found this a lot of uh, during COVID, a lot of businesses have been falling to the wayside. Some are just ending altogether. Some of these businesses, I think we're going to end before. And one of them is Segway. Segway is done, people. Segway production. is done. <laughs> Segway. Oh, no. Segway Inc. said it would stop making the two-wheeled Segway PT. The PT stands for personal transporter. That was once hailed as a revolutionary device that would change the way people got around. And I'd just like to dispute that. It was never hailed as a revolutionary device. It was always made fun of. It was always ridiculous. 
it didn't, it never brought mobility to the people who I thought it would bring mobility to. Right. It just seemed like um, a lot of tourism. Like you would see people doing tours of it in places and they were annoying. A couple of times I did see some Montgomery T. Burns type gentlemen on them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they were like going way too fast. Yeah. You know, I think the technology at the time, I, I really remember when it was developed and they were um, trying to build up the anticipation for the big reveal of what this thing was and its code name was ginger and ginger was <laughs> ginger is so interesting. Oh, this is something revolutionary. It's, it's going to change everything. And they, they were building it up for weeks and weeks. And then yeah. somebody saw it before it was revealed, you know, and they were like, what do you think of ginger? And they're like, well, I smiled. <laughs> I was going to say, I pissed myself laughing to this. Um, so these things have been around since 2001. They were popular with tourists and police officers. And they said within the first decade, the Segway was a staple in security and law enforcement. And I remember laughing at these things. We all laughed at that. And we still do laugh at them. We were just looking at to see when the mall security guard would fall. Yeah. Um, so the company was founded in 1999 by an inventor called Dean Kamen, whose idea grew from his early work on a motorized wheelchair that could climb stairs. So that's what I thought this new piece of technology was going to help people who are wheelchair bound mm -hmm. or who have to use scooters if they're, you know, on their feet for too long. But because of the fact that you have to stand on it and kind of hold yourself up with your arms, it doesn't work for those people. No, it doesn't. You know what I mean? Like if you have motor, motor skills issues in your lower body, like how are you going to stand on a Segway? Yeah, it's just, and it turns out like how how are we going to incorporate the Segway into our daily lives? Because where are we going to put our bags of stuff that we buy? Where are we going to park yeah. it? How do we lock it up? Um, also, what about stairs? What about une like uneven surfaces? Yeah, and how heavy is it when you carry it up to your apartment? Nobody's going to want to carry a Segway. Yeah. Um, so at first, they unveiled it on Good Morning America, and they went to. They started selling them through Amazon. They were really expensive. Oh, yeah. Diane um, Sawyer, Sawyer was all about this. She was like, yeah. oh, the ginger is coming Did she invest in it? Uh, yeah. So uh, it's early on, the vehicles were banned because people kept losing control. And I remember when they bought them, brought them to Annapolis, Maryland, and they were doing tourism tours. We were really nervous because it's a waterfront area. Yeah. And oh. I was just, yeah, I was just thinking, like, how many people are going to end up at the bottom of the bay? On these, on these damn Segway things. Yeah. So in, in 2003, they recalled 6, 000, the first 6,000 Segways because uh, the battery would just die and then people would fall off. Oh, God. It it's was, like, how, it, do you, how do you mount and dismount? So I don't know. It was that abrupt that people would fall? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, people would fall. So you're, you're, you know, like you're sailing along. 60 miles know. an hour. And then, yes. and then boom, boom, nothing. <laughs> Uh, also in 2003, George Bush fell off of one. I mean, that's probably not the Segway's fault. Yeah. Um, I don't think uh, so. And in 2009, this, a British businessman uh, who brought the company died a year later after he plunged off a cliff when he was touring his property on a Segway. Oh. That's what I'm what? saying. Yes, the guy who brought the... He, the dude who bought the company in 2009 uh -huh. was tooling around on the Segway of the company that he owned and plunged off a cliff. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, 
you see, I guess we're not, there's no way we're going to ever get a flying car. No. And in 2015, a cameraman riding a Segway um, accidentally bumped into Usain Bolt, the world's fastest man, as he was doing a victory lap in Beijing. <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> like someone who's actually doing with something, you know, yeah. running, running. And, and you and, ran up on him? In your Segway. Oh, my God. In your Segway. So it's, it, they've expanded uh, over the past two decades beyond the Segway. They introduced an uh, electric unicycle. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. And, Brooklyn. And what would Brooklyn be without it? <laughs> Brooklyn. And electric roller skates you know what? again. I just want to say with Brooklyn, Brooklyn <laughs> is like a haven for hipsters, you know. And yeah. they love their unicycles, ukuleles, and their neck beards, right? Are they still doing that? Yes, but the thing is, like when it's so I see, old fashioned now. When I see a guy coming from a distance, I'm like, does he have a mask on it or is it a neck beard? <laughs> and I have to, and I am like, I have to stare at him till I get closer. And I have a beard or or, or mask. So you can tell. Maybe yeah. it's a combo. No, it's it's one or the other. It's always one or the other. So there's got to be some Brooklyn way to do a combo yeah, right. beard mask. Maybe yeah, they could have a beard that is like you could clip onto the bottom of your mask. So Something. You don't have to, anyway. But sorry. or a mask that looks like a beard with a handlebar mustache. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Segway is done. They sold one hundred forty thousand Segways, which I don't think is very many, since they've been around for almost two decades. Um, and if you're interested in getting one now, is I guess is the time. Get it fast. Jeez. Before they're gone. Before I know, I've never good. been on one, never been on one, never going to get on one. Never wanted I'd, to be on one. No, I, I don't have any mobility issues. Uh, but even if I did, standing on that thing and, and rolling around, it's not going to solve it, you know? Yeah. Like if I'm having problems getting around, that's not going to be my first choice. Yeah. Segway. RIP. Well, I'll talk about an industry that is now coming back. Okay. It's the drive-in theater. So, ah, the drive-in theater. I remember seeing a drive-in movie with my mom. as The Rescuers. Yeah. Was my first movie. Yeah, it was my first date was a drive-in movie. Oh, you, you went on a date to a drive-in yeah. hubba hubba. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So, um, in any case, uh, so the drive-in theater is something really what we associate from like the 50s. That was like the big thing to do, to go to the drive-in. Yeah, you go there and make out. Right. Right, but right. Ne- but there's n- hardly any drive-ins around. No, but they are making a comeback, and actually, um, Walmart is in the beginning of August. This Walmart is converting 160 of its U.S. store parking lots into drive-in movie theaters. Wow! As the pandemic continues, drive-in theaters have been making a comeback as a safe alternative to traditional movie theaters. Um, so, are people going for it? Walmart is partnering with Tribeca Enterprises, the Robert De Niro-backed media company. All right, okay. To promote show art, art films to program the films. <laughs> so locations and movie titles haven't yet been announced, but they will be revealed later on a special website. I oh, and it will run through October. So from August through October, that'll this will happen, and they'll have more than three hundred showings. It'll there. It's family friendly. They'll have family friendly yeah. nights. For, with hit movies, special appearances okay. from filmmakers and celebrities, and concessions delivered right to the consumer vehicles. So they're turning yeah. it into like a whole like event. So you can go on the family nights, 
you can, or, you know, you can find the family events. You can have like the adult, you know, not adult films, but, um, <laughs> you know, for, yeah, <laughs> the story of, O <laughs> revival. Yeah. So they'll, they'll have them, they're going to have these makeshift theaters and parking lots and, you know, they're going to just try to have this business going for a while. I think you could do it year round. I think you could do it year round too. Isn't that kind of the point? Yeah. And cars today are so much more comfortable than they used to be. But Greg and I were discussing this. The one thing that is missing and what really made, especially for the, the younger person, for the, the amorous couples out there, was that front seats used to be one piece. Oh, right. 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 And you, you didn't have anything separating the passenger from the, the driver. That's right. And... You know, and then later on, you didn't have anything separating you either. Right, right. Yeah, it was like a, it was a big bench seat that was yeah. the front seat, and you know, it was a bench seat. Uh, and so, I guess everyone's going to have to like shift to the back seat. I I imagine there will be multiple instances of people accidentally kicking their car into gear, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and failing into the people in front of them or behind them. So I would then we recommend for safety reasons, everyone has to sit in the back seat. Yeah, everyone has to sit in the back seat. Uh, maybe, you know, figure out something. Yeah. Um, the other thing, I mean, if these are going to be family friendly, that's not going to be an issue. Yeah. I wonder how what, how children will feel about it. Oh, and you know, there's going to be the good seat in the car and the yes. lousy seat in the car and the kids are going to fight over it. And-, and also a lot of people have in their cars, in their family cars especially, they have um, TVs. Yeah. So... Are they going to be able to see it on that screen as well? Oh, that's as interesting. As on the big screen? Like, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a car, so in order... But I know New Yorkers will probably rent a car and go anyway. Yeah. That's a very New York thing to do, to get a zip car for a couple of hours. Yeah, right. Probably. And go and drive to New Jersey and see a movie. Right. Get out of the city for a little bit. That's actually... It's a good idea. I don't think it... I, I think that this is a good way to go about it, but why cut it off in October? Because it's so cold. I don't know. Because it's cold. It's, it's not cold in October, though, anymore. Well, the end of October, so November, they're going to stop. I think it'd be fun to see a scary movie around Halloween in your car. Yeah. That oh, right? Like and someone comes by with a hook, taps it on yes. the window. Yes. <laughs> I can't, we could go and see an identical twin <laughs> at the drive-in. Identical. So there's another... Uh, R.I.P. possibly to Cirque du Soleil. What? Filing for bankruptcy. Oh. I know. I have mixed feelings about Cirque du Soleil as in I don't like them. <laughs> oh, no. You know what? Some of the French clown humor is not good. But there's some, lost. But the, some, the acrobatics, my God, you can't. I love acrobatics. Um, you know, I love, you know, carnival stuff, circus stuff. Mm-hmm. Um Magic, all that kind of stuff. I'm all about a contortionist or a high wire act. The thing with me with Cirque du Soleil is, well, you cut out the story. Yeah. I don't care what happened to that little egg for 20 minutes. <laughs> I also went to see uh, the Michael Jackson one, the Cirque oh, you du Soleil. Did? Okay. There were some very problematic, as millennials would say, characterizations of young uh, Jackson five. Okay. Oh, really? Um, yeah, there was just some kind of interesting stuff. And they also opened the show with, have you seen my childhood, which I thought might've been in poor taste. 
Yeah, I might have been in Portland. Might have been. Also, they had a scene where a giant glove came out and danced around oh. with a pair of white uh, socks in a pair of giant loafers dancing around. Oh. Yeah. That's, it was interesting. That's an interesting they, kind of a, a, a take on, on the, the iconic um, yeah. on costume Michael Jackson's of Michael iconic Jackson. Look. Yeah. The, the other piece that I always have an issue with with Cirque du Soleil is they have no rhythm and can't dance. And so, yeah, it's all, they're all about the contortion and the, and the acrobatics. Yes. They can't really. But when you're doing Michael Jackson's music, you have to. Yeah, that's true. Because he was like one of the greatest dancers of all times. All right, right. You know, I saw um, Cirque du Soleil's O, which is a water-themed. Oh. How was that? Well, it was, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, <laughs> How so? I, on many levels. It was many years ago. And okay. I didn't know a lot about Cirque du Soleil. I didn't know anything about the show and got tickets okay. last minute. Like literally okay. like half an hour before the show started, we were like, all right, oh, we're going Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and I, there was a pool that was flush with the stage. So we couldn't see the pool. And an actor got up on this like high dive, this scaffolding, and just jumped, and I almost had a heart attack. And they, oh no! <laughs> they jumped into the <laughs> pool that we couldn't see. All did right. they give you side eye? What, did you scream? And they were like, "Are you kidding me, yeah. lady? The whole thing is about water." <laughs> and then there, in the beginning of it, you know, they did some crowd work, you know, and they're talking to oh, different no. people. Not and to I me. I would have left. They, somebody said something to, you know, somebody nearby. So I knew like whatever. And then they took a guy from the audience and they pulled, pulled him on stage. And I'm like, oh, this crowd work or whatever. And he looked and, and he, you know, looked nervous and, you know, just like any, anybody who is not expecting to be up there. And they're like, yeah, this is, this is amazing, you know, or whatever. And then suddenly he flew up into the air and disappeared. And I was like, what the hell? So he was part of the show and he had a harness Ah. on and they, uh, you know, discreetly rigged up the cable. And then he, (laughs) then he was hoisted very swiftly into the air and behind the curtain. I was like, I almost had a heart attack again. I'm like, what am I doing? What is this? What's going on? I guess they surprised patron Katie Casimir Sue Cirque du Soleil, not once but twice during show, <laughs> for a heart attack. I felt like a big hayseed. I was like, Ooh, is this what? But you didn't on? know what it was going to be. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. You think Cirque du Soleil, you don't think a pool. Yeah. And at that point in time, I'm assuming it was some time ago, you don't think that things are necessarily going to be flying up in the air like that. Yeah, yeah I, I just felt like, oh. I never left Kansas, and there I was in the big city of Las Vegas. So Cirque du Soleil is all over the Las Vegas Strip. Greg and I used to go to Las Vegas two, three times a year. Mm -hmm. Never once went to a Cirque du Soleil show. They're incredibly expensive, Um, and except for the Michael Jackson one. So they have O, a show called Zumanity, which is like they're supposed to be a kind of a sexy show. Oh, but when I talk to people about it, they're like, "It wasn't sexy." It wasn't like it wasn't sexy at all. So Zumanity, the Beatles love, and I don't really care for the Beatles that much, uh, but they have a great lounge where everything is gold. Oh. Um, Ka, something called Ka, yeah, and Steer, and then the Michael Jackson show one. But they also have other groups, uh, other shows as well. They have a show at a resort in Mexico that they have there all the time. It's a dinner show, which I, I mean, First of all, I, I'm not a big fan of dinner theater because I feel like it's disrespectful to the artists that I'm munching on a Caesar salad while you're doing 
you know, an incredible aerial routine that you've been practicing since you were a child to do. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, plucking croutons out of my salad. Yeah. <laughs> While you're doing something that is, you know, only you can do. Yeah. That is yeah. an amazing spectacle. And I'm worried about is the dressing on the side. Yeah. And where is the, is the Parmesan grated fresh? <laughs> yes. Can you imagine as the waiter working that, that audience? Mm. I mean, what a nightmare. Um, so, yeah, it's they've filed for bankruptcy protection amid coronavirus. They are based in Quebec in Montreal. Uh, they have a, a big top that's set up there all the time. I go to Montreal regularly. Again, still won't shell out for Cirque du Soleil. No. <laughs> no, it's just too expensive. And it, I, I prefer to support, like, smaller circus groups, of which there are many. Um, so yeah, Cirque du Soleil. So they're going into bankruptcy. I don't know what kind of assets they have. Apparently they're looking for $300 million. Um, a far cry from the, the circuses of, of old and we'll see what happens to them. But yeah, no more Cirque du Soleil, no more Segway. I mean, is there nothing left? I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like all these things are, they, they're supposed to be these big, well, the Segway was supposed to be a big game changer. Cirque du Soleil never thought it would go away. You know, I think yeah. that the once, you know, we're out of the pandemic or we have reached a new way of managing it or something, all the theater will come back. I hope so. Yeah. It's the thing that I, the theater and the museums are the things I miss the most. Yeah. I love movies, but I mean, let's be honest. I wasn't going that, that often because of the price. Yeah. Um, and because frankly, there weren't, you know, we go through, I feel like, stretches of time, like six months when there's nothing really that's motivating me to go out and see. Right. And movie. yeah, it's, but it became so strategic. When are they releasing yeah. during a certain holiday or whatever? And I'm like, just release month. something every week. Yeah. You know? Just, you know, every, every Thursday, something new comes. Just, I like that. Every Thursday, something new. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What do you have? Okay. Well, here's the thing. And um, it's about the coronavirus. And okay. People thought that this was just kind of like a rumor or people were making up stories or whatever, but it was confirmed that this is really happening. Um, some young people in Alabama are throwing COVID-19 parties. Um, mm -hmm. It's a disturbing competition where people who have the coronavirus attend and the first person to get infected receives a payout. Note my lack of surprise when you said where it was. Yeah, Tuscaloosa. <laughs> have you been to, mm -hmm. I've been to Tuscaloosa. I would never, ever go to Alabama. Yeah. So Pass. they're going there so others can intentionally c contract the virus, uh, contract huh. the virus. Um, and then are they trying to spread it to other people or are they just trying to get it themselves? Well, it's like, okay, I am throwing a party and I'm charging 10 bucks at the door, right? What? It's not even free? No. Damn, Alabama. So there's a payout if you catch it. So then you, ah, whoever, okay. like, so you, you go to the party, someone has the coronavirus and then, um, you pay and then you're, you, whoever, like when you, after the party's over and the incubation period has, has begun, whoever is, who has attended that party and caught the coronavirus and is, um, diagnosed with it first wins like the prize. I see. I find this interesting because the, the way that we think about dystopian futures is that some evil force, the government or, you know, usually the government is, is doing something like this to people is playing with people's lives in this way. This is just dumbass people doing it themselves. Yeah. We actually don't need an evil government 
to do anything, apparently. Yeah, we don't need enemies. We, can, we don't no. need terrorists. We don't need any nope. of that stuff. We can just wait for this kind of foolishness to happen on its own. And then, you know, Bob's your uncle, I guess. Yeah, I mean, this is a serious and deadly virus. Not only are they risking themselves, because they don't even know if they have underlying health conditions. Well, that's what I was going to say. They have no idea if they have... Um, you know, something like a heart respiratory issue, issue or a lung issue yeah. that they just don't know about, and then now and then they'll find out. Um, but they're they don't know if they're a super spreader because they're you know that's a thing apparently. Yeah, they're going to take it home to their parents, their grandparents, to other people. Um, and it's not a political thing. This is a public health issue, and people are dying, and there is no cure. And people are are doing this intentionally. It just boggles my mind. I don't. Know. I, I don't know why. I mean. I can understand if this were, if we were like end of days kind of scenario and young people were just freaking out. Yeah. Right. But this isn't end of days. Yeah. This is a, a, a terrible virus, but it's not, you know. Yeah. I mean, I honestly think that, I mean, how do we had decent leadership all like here and even in other parts of the world, you know, I'm sorry, did you say leadership? That's what I thought I heard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if we had decent leadership, like, I yeah. mean, if we had a pandemic team in place that caught this and not just that Fauci guy tr- shouting and hoping people will listen to him. Right. <sighs> yeah. I don't get it. I don't um, know. It would have been a very different pandemic issue. It would have maybe sure. caught it. Maybe it would not have spread. So, but also, do you do you think this kind of foolishness would still be going on? If we had different leadership, I don't think so. I mean, like, because the foolish behavior has now been, is now, it's like there's a stamp of approval for how stupid can you be. It's like my stupidity is just as good as your, your expertise. You know, yeah. so people who may be back in, you know, Bill Clinton's reign or Obama's reign, or even, I don't even know, whatever, anyone who acted like an adult as a, as a president under their, under their administration, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like, hey, we give a stamp of approval on this type of behavior. This administration puts a stamp of approval on this type of behavior. I think the Reagan administration would have put a stamp of, of approval on this kind of foolishness. Yeah, you think? Yeah, yeah. I, because I remember, and I'm sure you do too, their reaction to the AIDS crisis which, you know, destroyed people's lives and the government really didn't do anything until they were forced to. Well, maybe Um, not because this is a virus that um, hits the elderly hard. So they were like, oh, you know, those are my voter base. You would think they would care, but it seems like they don't give a shit about anybody, which is the bizarre thing. Um, Or maybe that's just the way it is. I don't know. Who knows? A COVID party, though. huh? Why not? I guess. Whatever. Sure. (laughs) Sure. You know, do whatever. Way to go, Um, Tuscaloosa. Yeah, keeping it it real. So I have a little bit of a wordplay here. Yeah. I keep hearing this phrase, um, mostly related to people trying to get out of the U.S., and the phrase is like rats fleeing a sinking ship. Okay. I love this phrase. I've only been able to use it a couple of times, but I just want to give you a little background of it. Um, the idiom is used to refer to people abandoning an enterprise once it seems likely to fail. Okay. <laughs> and this term has been in use for about 400 years yeah. and has changed over the years. So at first it was rats fleeing a decrepit house. Okay. 
All right. So the, that was the original setting, a decrepit house that was on the verge of falling down. It was both rats and mice of the 16th century were said to have uh, an ability to know when a house is about to collapse. Oh, really? And they would, they would, act, they would run out before it happened. That's interesting um, that they have that sensed. Well, I don't know if they do, but the 16th century rats were said to have it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if the modern rat knows <laughs> what's going on. But by the early 17th century, they begin to use it as a simile. Right? Mm-hmm. So that as time goes on, um, first it was the image of rodents fleeing a burning house. Then people decided that rats had had enough of running from houses and the expression was moved to ships. Okay. Yes. So it was like like rats decamping from a foundering ship or fleeing um, a sinking ship. A sinking ship. ship. Yes. That's how I know it. Yeah. So they say rats continue to flee houses that were falling down uh, up until the 18th century and then, or or ships or whatever. And then in the 19th century, they began, people began using it as a metaphor instead of the simile. I see. Okay. All right. So like rats fleeing a sinking ship, um, rats fleeing a burning house. I don't know what the, the version of it would be today. And in modern times, it's mostly used when we're talking about politics. So people switching sides from Republican to Democrat or Democrat to Republican Mm -hmm. or people changing their position quickly when they find that whatever the position is, isn't working anymore. Right. So, um, are we, are we seeing the rats? I mean, I think so. I think, uh, in DC, I don't, I don't know if the rats even have time to flee there. They generally getting fired first Yeah. (laughs) Like for squeaking out of turn, I guess. (laughs) All right, what do you have? Okay. Hey, um, this is this is robot news. Oh, awesome. Robot news. We're talking about the robot apocalypse or the AI apocalypse. Yeah, but this is actually, hello, robot overlords, if you can hear it. Yes, hello. We're still here. We're still here. Still podcasting. And you're still the overlords. Um, yep. So I just like to, this is a positive spin on, on robots. So it says, a furry social robot can reduce pain and increase happiness. Furry? Mm-hmm. No. I'm out. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That sounds gross to me. I'm sorry. Furry? Yeah. Okay. So, um, is, so mm-hmm. they, they, they are, there are these plush seal-like social robots. So what it is, okay. it's, a, it's a Japanese social robot, and it emits seal-like sounds. It moves its heads and its flippers in response to being spoken to and touched. And it's furry, so you can hold it, and it moves. So it almost feels it's like just it's Just like alive. you would hold a seal in real life. What the hell? I know. I know. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even know what the right or wrong. Like, I can't tell if that seal is happy or upset. Yeah, I don't know what a seal sounds like. I know. I don't know what it feels like, but now I know it's plush. Okay. Our like, seals are. Um, so, what it is? If you have like an hour long session with this plush seal like robot, it increases. Mm-hmm. Um, it bolsters mood, reduces pain. Um, yeah, because um, it, it stimulates the um, oxytocin levels and it increases happiness. So much somewhere, like a, there's a bunch of cats that are pissed off about this whole idea. Yeah, so if this is something where this social robot can induce these effects where normal human to human contact is not available. So okay. if you have oh, this is in Japan where they have no people. <laughs> but during a pandemic, <laughs> when you're isolated and there's elderly people who are not getting touched. You know, mm-hmm. not seeing anybody. If they have this this 
this kind of robot that they can hold and it moves and you can talk to it and increases your happiness and your oxytocin levels. So um, they did, they did different studies and it said, and they, they discovered lower oxytocin levels in those who, um, who did not meet this animal and higher ones in the ones that, that did. So oxytocin, mm-hmm. sometimes it's called the love hormone and it's elevated among romantic partners or mothers playing with their children. Uh, um, people playing with robotic seals. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> As well. So out, out I, of these, there's you don't something... have these close relationships if you're, doing, if you're not exposed to anybody else and you're, you're producing all these stress hormones, you know this might not be a bad thing to have it around and hold it for an hour. It's, it's not a bad thing, but as antisocial as I am, I feel like we, like, this is definitely like a band-aid, but we also need to be looking into why so many people are elderly and alone. Yeah. Because COVID or no COVID, those people were probably fairly isolated. Yeah. And throwing them a furry, um, you know, Tamaguchi every once in a while, <laughs> to me, is just not taking care of people properly <laughs> oh yeah I, I like this this will now become a phrase are you, are you just throwing me a furry tamaguchi <laughs> yes. trying to make me feel better with this furry tamaguchi exactly <laughs> i mean is there i understand that people might feel better after playing with a you know teddy ruxpin or whatever but isn't there also kind of a sadness that goes with that as well yeah I mean, I would feel really sad if I knew my only joy was coming off of, you know, some kind of calculator that someone's stapled some fur onto. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's something, hey, look, if it helps with pain management and well-being and it's sure you don't have to take a pill, there's no prescriptions, there's no side effects and you feel a little bit better. Uh, I mean, hey, yeah, it's, it, not a, it's not a terrible thing. It's not a terrible thing. It just makes me think of as, you know, as one gets older that you really need to start developing close relations with people in a network. Yeah. So that you don't have to rely solely on the tam- the furry Tamagotchi. <laughs> Someone throwing you a furry Tamagotchi. That's yeah. <laughs> Do they get to keep it all the time or is it rationed? I, now I see old people fighting over yeah. it, you know. <laughs> um. <laughs> that's it's I, I we we've been reporting on this stuff in japan that they have the robot babies uh-huh. now these robot animals pretty soon it's going to be robot parents robot grandparents there's just not going to be any people there at all yeah all. and they're going to wonder the robots are going to be like how can we get like a human baby in here for us to you know study it be comforted by yeah somebody needs to study these babies also someone needs to change my battery what's up <laughs> <laughs> I need to be plugged in. And for whatever reasons, I can't do that. Oh, my God. Did you see a picture of it? Was it cute? No, there was no picture. But it's just like okay. one of these like animatronic you know, animals. Yeah, I, those it, things freak me yeah. out. Yeah, they are freaky. But if you're they just freak like, me out. I don't know. If you're older and your eyesight's no good, you're like, I can kind of, you know, put the, um, you know. You plug just, it in. You know, use your imagination. Pretend it's real. You're like, yeah. Oh, God. See, that's where I think the sadness comes in. Well, I mean, what are you going to do at this point? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe go visit people. Yeah. 
Like, I, th- I think that's the program that they should be. There's actually a program in New York. I think it started in either like Germany or the Netherlands where they're kind of pairing older people with younger people mm-hmm. as buddies. And you either, you kind of, it's like adopt a grandmother, adopt a grandfather kind of program. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's a good idea. I mean, I didn't grow up with any grandparents, so I definitely would have been into that. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, you should, that is a really great idea. And I think part of the reason um, that nursing homes and these situations exist where people drop off their, their parents and have other people care for them is because they're not only does everybody have to work, um, but there's so much emotional baggage that goes on. Yeah, I mean, it, look, but, so if, I don't have to hate your grandmother. She wasn't my asshole grandmother. Right, you know what I mean? Right. I can go enjoy my time. Right. So you don't have any baggage and you can just like have this adopted grandmother and have this relationship with, with her without any of the stress. Yeah. And the same thing, you know, it's, I think that's a great idea. I think that more people should get used to, um, making friends with people of different ages all across the yes. board. <clears throat> it's hard. It's hard to do. Uh, I feel like because we, our leisure is different. Yeah. I feel like it's really segmented. Like even if when you just go to a bar, I don't know if you've noticed this, but like, you know, once you're north of 40, you go to a bar and you're like, shit, I'm in the wrong bar now. (laughs) Everybody everybody here is squarely in the, you know, 21 to like 29 crowd. I got to go to the next bar up. Right. Right. Yeah. You've got to find different places to go. That's that are age appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. And when I travel, I don't see it like that. Like when I'm traveling, I, you know, in, in Europe or South America or, you know, Central America, whatever, I see a lot of places, not every place, but it's more mixed. Yeah. So maybe that's something that we need to work on. Yeah. Japan. All right. So let's get this, let's get this party started. Let's get it together. Yeah. Let's get this multi-generational party started. Adopt a grandmother today. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Hey You Know It. Stay in touch with us during the week. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Tumblr. Go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on an upcoming show regardless of content. As always, we love your emails. Send us an email at heyyouknowit at gmail.com with your comments, questions, and segment ideas. Emails will also be read on upcoming shows. Please tell your friends about us because you know we don't advertise. And let them know we can be found on iTunes at stitcher.com and at heyyouknowit.com. Thanks. Twizzlers, you know. Well, this gives a new meaning to the term identical twin. So if this were like a horror movie. (laughs) I like it. The identical twin. Yeah, it's like a twin that it was like made in a lab that's just made up of all like teeth. And it looks like you, but it's teeth. But So it, it just looks like me or you, whatever, a regular person. Yeah. And then when you get close to it, if you touch it, chomp. Right. The identical twin. Yeah. It's like death by a million cuts. Yeah. The identical twin. I like it. Don't go into the water. No, we've lost the shark aspect. Yeah. Uh, That'll be in the second one. Yeah. And the sequel. (laughs) Don't go into the water.